0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House of Hinky Built podcast. As always, I'm your host Jackson Frank, and per usual, I'm hosting on Spotify Green Room. Today, the plan is to be joined by Tom West of Liberty Ballers. Don't know if he's formerly been on the pod, but he has absolutely been in uh, Green Room streams before. Uh, today, we're going to sort through the East as best we can. Uh, about a month out from the start of training camp, uh, we'll kind of talk about how we think that. The our rankings and our perceptions of of these teams uh, affects the Sixers. Of course, it's tough to really know exactly where the Sixers stand given the looming Ben Simmons situation. But we'll do our best to tie things back to them. Uh, if you're listening as a podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you do so. Your support means a ton. I hope this uh, this podcast has been informa- informational and insightful for you guys. Um, but uh, Tom is here; he's on stage, uh, and so we're going to bring him on and. Uh, as always, if you have any questions and you're in the room, feel free to drop them in the discussion tab. We'll do our best to uh, entertain them. Hey, Tom, how are you today?
1: I'm doing good, thanks, man. How are you doing? I'm doing uh,
0: doing pretty well. I, uh, I no complaints here. It's a beautiful day in Portland. It's not a cloud in the sky. We're kind of getting to that that point where fall is approaching, so it's not quite as hot. But uh, still nice enough to go out, do things outside and enjoy, enjoy myself.
1: Oh, that's not bad. It's been a, a very grey, dreary summer for the most part here in England, so uh, that sounds better than what I've got. So I'm a little jazzed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So
0: the the plan today uh, is to kind of sort through the Eastern Conference. Um, I don't know how you exactly plan to, you know, or kind of share your rankings or kind of your perceptions, but I mostly did tiers, and I maybe had some structure within those tiers, but tried to make it fairly loosely based because I think as it pertains to the Sixers sorting things through more of this is maybe their likely outcome um, versus like this is their definitive outcome. This is their definitive ranking where I see them finishing is how I tried to do it. Um, Anything you want to note before we kick things off or should we just, uh, should we kind of, and do you want to go bottom to top or top to bottom? What's your preference here?
1: Uh, Yeah, I've kind of, I mean, I've tried to get some numbers together here for a a ranking, but yeah, I've kind of, gone for a bit of a tier-based approach as well. But, yeah, bottom-to-top uh, works for me. i have to sort of get straight into it.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, so for me, I had five different tiers. Um, I guess I had six, but one of them is a kind of an A and B. But uh, my fifth tier, I had Orlando, Detroit, and Cleveland. Um, I like Cleveland this year um, to an extent, but at the same time, I recognize that they're going to play in a lot of young guys' heavy minutes, and some of those young guys still might not quite be, you know, uh, positively impactful players. I think Evan Mobley is going to have a nice year, but um, being a notably impactful rookie um, is really tough to do. I think he could do it, but uh, a lot of young guys, you know, I, I didn't love the trade of, you know, effectively Nance for, for marketing. I got the idea of spacing there, um, but also still not a huge fan of Bickerstaff's offense. Um, I think it's a little too bland and they're going to need some creativity with their lack of shooting uh, in that starting lineup. Not so much lack of shooting, but lack of emphasis on three-point shooting. So that's maybe I like Cleveland more than Detroit and Orlando. Um, Orlando, I, I think, is most likely to be that that bottom-tier team. You just have so many young guys to sort through. Um, Cleveland or Detroit could be okay. Um, Cade will be solid for them. But that's my bottom tier. Do you have the same one, or do you have anyone else in that in that grouping?
1: I, I have the same three, um, kind of similar reasons that you laid out. You know, young teams. Um, the Pistons are going to be interesting. Like. I mean, you watch far more college basketball than I do, but everything I've seen, Cade Cunningham looks awesome. So I'm interested to see him and and Killian Hayes, you know, when he's back and healthy. I think those two are quite an interesting duo. Um, I like them getting Kelly Olenek as well. I think he's quite a good sort of pick-and-pop, floor-spacing, passing kind of big man to to pair with those two ball handlers. Um, Gives them a bit of space. I think that kind of makes things a bit more fun, at least. Um, And then, yeah, similar thoughts on the Cavs, just... You know, they are are really young, don't love the offensive creativity there. They really sort of struggled there um, last season. Mobley, uh, love everything he kind of brings to the table. But, you know, like you said, um, he's got obviously so much talent and potential defensively and, you know, offensive as well, you know, with his his playmaking and just overall skill level. But it's hard to rely on a rookie making too much of an impact, you know, when there's plenty of other sort of issues around him um and yeah similarly I didn't really like the marketing move um one just sort of pursuing him in general given the front court pieces they already had in place like after drafting Mobley and then you know wanting to pay him so much I just think outside of some shooting I just don't really think he's giving you much um like Larry Nance is kind of better in pretty much every other way um when you get past the shooting so I don't love that move for them and uh yeah, they have some interesting young pieces though. Like I like, you know, Okoro, um, like Gar- Darius Garland, and they have some some fun pieces. But I don't think it's enough to sort of compete much, given how yeah. other teams higher up the conference have, you know, quite a lot of the other teams have improved this offseason. I don't think they took too much of a leap.
0: Yeah, um, and I think you know Mobley is a guy who I, I firmly believe in. But it's going to take some time. He's going to have to navigate the four versus the five. Is you know, obviously Jared Allen just got you know, a big contract. Um, so it's not like they're not going to play Jared Allen I mean Jared Allen kind of enters his years arguably their best player depending on how you feel about Colin Sexton but I think with if I had to bank on any of these teams being in a tier ahead for me I would probably go with Detroit honestly I don't know how you feel about that but like Jeremy Grant had a really nice season last year Cade could absolutely be a guy who's very good as a rookie like I'm not talking top 30 like that but like a guy who was clearly a a viable starter, um, Olenek, as you mentioned, is a good. I mean, Alinic was incredible in Houston last year and has been a reliable big man for for many years now. Um, Dwayne Casey has his faults, but I think he's. I would say, you know, based off what I know about these bottom tier teams, I feel most comfortable in in saying he is the best coach. Obviously, Jamal Mosley is kind of a wait and see thing, but not a huge fan of Bakerstaff. The defense is okay with Bakerstaff, but um, point being, I think Casey has shown, you know, an ability to be a solid coach. So. I'm not saying Detroit's going to make a, a late run at the plane or anything like that, but I think we have at least a foundation of those three, and, and maybe Isaiah Stewart takes another big leap forward. Um, you know, Sadiq Bake was solid as a rookie too, so um, I kind of like what Detroit has cooking here. I'm curious to see how Killian Hayes progresses in year two. Um, the passing and defense were pretty impressive, you know, in year one, but uh, the scoring and ability to kind of turn that corner was a huge issue, and then also he struggled to do the same in in summer league when he played. So. Um, big big year for him, but I but I think the Pistons could be could be a solid team, and so I kind of like them most out of this tier. Um, anything else you want to add before we maybe shift up to tier four?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I agree with everything you said. I also had Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay down in my notes as well. <laughs> I think yeah, I think the Pistons sort of have some some pieces that fit fairly well together. And you know, if you envision Cade having a big impact, which I do, like I think they could yeah they could probably be the top of that group. But yeah, I'm happy to move up to the next sort of tier.
0: Yeah. Uh, so for me, this one was similarly uh, three teams. I had Washington, Charlotte, and Toronto. Um, this year was tough for me because the next year we're talking about two, I think is really muddied and mm-hmm. there's definitely the chance for um, maybe a team in tier three to be tier four or a team in tier three to be tier two. Um, but, you know, as much as, as, much, as much as fun as Charlotte was last year with LaMelo and, you know, Gordon Hayward was good when he was healthy. Um, PJ Washington was solid, like, they lost some players. Devontae Graham was really key for them. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward, despite how good he is, just continually struggles with injuries. Um, Malik Monk was solid last year as well. That one was a really precarious move to not bring him back, especially at the fact he only got the, the minimum. I think you absolutely could have you know, retained him. I thought he was really important to what they, not really, I thought he was important to what they did at times when he was in the rotation. Um, was really prone to some, some huge scoring explosions. Um, you know, Zeller versus Plumlee, I don't know exactly how to land on that. I feel like such a, such a uh, meticulous debate to have <laughs> who's, more, who's more valuable, Cody Zeller versus Mason Plumley. But um, I think Plumley can provide some use um, in the sense that, like, he was good last year for Detroit's young guys, um, really good passers in the elbows, can do a little bit as a creator. Sometimes it looks a little wonky and doesn't end well, but um, clearly a guy who can help kind of facilitate the young guys' development. Um, you know, I just I just don't love what they did this offseason um and so like I think they could be better, but I think a lot of it will fall on Lamelo's shoulders. Um bringing in Kelly Ubro is fine. Um he's you know I when I, I did a podcast a few weeks ago with, with uh with Brian Geisinger, uh apologies if I missed that messed that name up, Brian. Um yeah, Brian Geisinger. Uh and we talked about like the this team is putting a lot on Lamelo to really be that lead creator. And I think last year that wasn't really the case. Um, I thought he was really able to kind of blend his on and off ball talents. And I just worry this year without Graham and, you know, drafting, uh, you know, James Booknight and signing Terry Rozier. Um, I just think there's going to be a lot that falls on the middle of shoulders. And so their, their ceiling versus floor kind of, you know, rests on what he does in year two. Um, but then, you know, Toronto, I think will be solid. Um, I think they've got a funky team really interested to see what they do. I talked to this with Samson Folk last week on a stream about this, but um, I don't think they're great. I really do wonder how they generate offense as long as Pascal's out. And even when he comes back Uh, and then Washington, I think could be in that tier three, maybe um, depending on what Dinwiddie looks like, but um, you know, Gafford was good for them when he was came over in the trade, but how do you feel about this tier? Is there any team that I'm excluding or any team that I'm, you know, underrating your eyes that maybe you have a tier
1: higher? I mean, so far we're, we're, (laughs) we're right on. Um, I kind of, I mean yeah like I said my specific numbered rankings were like fairly loose you know going with tears but I put in sort of penciled in the Hornets at 12 Wizards at 11 and then the Raptors at 10. Mm. Um, I, I I want to put the Hornets a little higher um, but yeah similarly I just didn't love their off season like Devontae Graham is good like his his pull-up shooting and his passing is, is valuable there mm. and like he has his you know his limitations like he's not great at getting to the rim and you know, doing too much off the dribble inside the arc, but he, he helps, you know, um, Lamello there. And yeah, you know, they can kind of maybe sort of go with some sort of smaller, you know, wing heavy lineups, you know, Oubre, you know, I like Miles Bridges. I like, I like PJ Washington a lot, but it, it's, yeah, like you mentioned, it, it's still a lot of creation on, you know, Lamelo's shoulders and, you know, if you can get a healthy Gordon Hayward and his productives and, you know, that helps a lot. And Mason Plumley adds some, like yeah, you, like you mentioned, you know, he's he's a good passer. You know, they have quite a lot of playmaking across you know multiple positions, which is interesting. And I really like Borrego as a coach. I think he's creative, and I, I like some of their movement and you know him as an offensive mind. You know, you know, coaching the way there. But I just yeah, when you're you know when mentioning sort of Mason Plumley's passing and things like that, you know, you, it's not too much of an off season to shout about. So I can't say too much about that. Uh, Spencer yeah. DiVidi in Washington's interesting um mm-hmm. sorry were you going to say something else about charlotte
0: yeah i was just gonna yeah. say i i wonder where they toe the line between kind of some of their better veterans or not where just well-established players versus you know trying to get the james book Knight and the kai jones and maybe a vernon carey minutes um and so for me that's maybe why i'm i'm worried but at the same time like if Lamelo is a lot better miles Bridges takes on their step forward and and pj does as well then you're looking at some interesting stuff but i i think we agree there but yeah, kind of continue with kind of what you think of the, the Dinwoodie signing because that was a pretty noteworthy signing. Dinwoodie a very good player and you know obviously he's filling, you know, the the absence of, of Russell Westbrook after that trade.
1: Yeah, like I think it's interesting just adding like Dinwoodie is good, you know, he's a really good driver um has a little bit more shooting than Westbrook obviously the bar is quite low there but still <laughs> um it looks like Bill wants to stay, you know, at least at least for now. So, I think them kind of retooling a little bit adding a few more pieces you know um it could be interesting rather than such a sort of top heavy roster but i still don't love how much they kind of have at their disposal there um i mean i guess from a Sixers standpoint it's obviously interesting to see how things play out like at the moment you know we might get onto this later but it feels like the sixers may have to kind of rather than making a move for a star with simmons it looks like maybe a sort of package of of picks you know and kind of role players in return um so they can kind of load up on assets for a potential future trade, you know, a bit further down the line, that might be the way they kind of need to go. And that could be the best option for them right now. So if Bill does become available down the line, you know, that might be an interesting situation to monitor, but I can't see them really doing too much to move up the conference, Um, even though they were kind of had a decent year last year. Um, And then the Raptors, yeah, they have a lot of good young pieces. It's just hard to Obviously, replace what they have be missing without Lowry. Um, but they do have some kind of fun groups they have with their young guys. Obviously, keeping Gary Trent Jr. was good for them. Um, you know, really high-volume shooting. Uh, and I'm really high on OG Ananobi as well. I think he could have a really big season. I think if you kind of see him having another leap, kind of building off his, his kind of creation he's, you know, shown, you know, getting better with his handle, taking off the dribble, continuing to be a solid shooter. Like, I think if he takes a bit of a leap, then that could, you know, help them. Um, but it, it's still hard to kind of, you know, they're not going to be able to replace Lowry. So they they have some interesting lineups, like their defensive pieces. Uh, <laughs> Scotty Barnes is an interesting guy, like from everything I've heard. Um, you know, Siaka Emoji, Van Vliet, Isaac Bonga, like they have some interesting pieces there, but I just don't think there's enough kind of on the offensive side of things to sort of take them up to the next tier
0: yeah I, i'd be curious to, because i i think i prefer the wizards to the raptors i just i just really worry about how the raptors fashion offense and i think that would yeah. hurt their defense i guess the inverse would be that their defense is good enough to spur transition and, and you get out and run but like what what you know i know you said you're pretty loosely ranking within the tiers but what about what is it for why for toronto that you prefer over washington because i think like you know i didn't really mention you know washington got back got like Kentavious Caldwell who's a very nice kind of three and D wing, um, Kuzma for all of his issues is a, is a viable role player, He's a viable rotation guy. Um, you know, Gafford came back, and you know, Beal and Dinwiddie is a really interesting potent offense about two guys who can always get the two feet in the paint. Um, so I, I guess like for me, I just, I just kind of prefer the cohesion of, of Washington over Toronto. Um, maybe maybe I'm valuing that over talent too much. I mean, Toronto does have you know good players in Pascal and Van Vliet. and you know, OG, as you mentioned, that's a really good trio to build off of, but. What is it about Toronto that maybe you preferred a little bit than, than Washington?
1: I mean, yeah, like I said, my rankings are loose, and now you're kind of talking it out. You're making me think I've kind of made a better than ever <laughs> here. Uh, but, yeah, I think, like you mentioned, like some of their sort of more proven pieces, and I, I, I do really like their young guys. I'm kind of high on that trio of Van Vliet and OG and, and Siakam. You know, Siakam's kind of got a lot of criticism, um, but he's still a really good player, like... Yeah, I could envision a couple of those guys kind of improving a bit. But yeah, you, I think you might have talked me into the Wizards maybe slightly <laughs> slightly hedging them out just because of the offensive kind of ability. Like I think a pairing of Dinwiddie and Beal just gives them kind of more creative juice. Um, yes. But I could see them improving in that regard there from a year ago. Um, and they do have a bit more sort of well-rounded now, like KCP, like you mentioned. Um, they do have some good confidential pieces there. So I think offensively they could... That might be enough to swing it for them. To be fair, so yeah,
0: I, I wonder what happens in Toronto with the Dragić situation. Um, you know, obviously he's a guy who would prefer to win now. I mean, it, it seems like at one point it was like a forward conclusion that he would be bought out. And the, the Mavericks would sign him, but I, I don't think like, Dragić is some big needle mover. But I think in the context of this ten versus eleven, which ultimately ends up being plan versus no plan, right? Like I think Dragić, you know, maybe could help ease some of Siakam's absence. Not. Not in the same way, but just someone who can kind of create some sort of offense. Obviously, Dragic wasn't great last year; it was much worse than he was, you know, in the playoffs in the bubble. Um, but turned out a little bit toward the end of the regular season, I thought. It had some nice plays against the Bucks in that four game series. So, curious to see how that unfolds, and that could maybe tilt things in their favor. Because you know, as 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 declined as he is from his peak, he's still a guy who can provide you some some offensive juice, and ball handling. So, curious to see what happens there, and that could maybe swing things in their favor. But yeah, just a lot of funkiness with, with that Raptors team, which could turn out well, but, um, I mean, Precious Lechua, OG, Pascal, Delano, Banton, Scotty Barnes, Cam Burch, Isaac Bonga, uh, You got a lot of funkiness there, which could be fun, but I'm curious to see how it all unfolds. And I am um, really am fascinated to see kind of how the Raptors balance, you know, developing these interesting young guys versus trying to maximize, you know, uh, Pascal and Fred and, and OG, um, who are three very, very good players. Um, but... Anything I think wanted to add about this here before we shift to tier three, which is a really, really interesting tier. I think to me.
1: Yeah. No. I think I'm I'm good to move to the next tier. Yeah. There's a, I think there's a quite a, a broad, interesting tier that I could see shaping out in a, like a few different ways. So yeah, happy to get to that.
0: Yeah. Th- so this tier three for me is, is four teams deep, and it feels like a little bit of an inflection point in the sense that like. Again, if, if a team or two has a really, really good year, they could leap into tier two. If they struggle with injuries or chemistry, or you know, a couple of these teams with new coaches, like if those things fall fall flat, like they could be in tier four in the sense that like they're closer to the plane than they are in the top six. Um, for me, uh, these four teams are, and this is for me roughly in order. Don't hold me to this, but I went Boston, New York, Indiana, Chicago. Um, but I could legitimately see any like any outcome of these four. Um, like for me, it's a little tougher to see, like, in, to go back to tier five. It's tougher for me to see Orlando get up to three uh, and whatnot. But for, for me in this tier three, or sorry, Orlando to go for my, like, to be the best team in tier five. Um, but for me in this this third tier, it does feel really fluid. Um, who's in your third tier here?
1: Exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe, we'll get some, it. maybe we'll get um, some division at one point. Yeah. Uh, that, no, that, that's my same tier. And again, it was kind of hard to put them in an order. Because um, I could see any of them kind of slipping into the sort of bottom of the playoff picture. Um, that like, yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of change kind of for most of these teams, and I like a lot of what sort of some of them have done. Like, I mean, the Pacers—they still kind of don't have amazing high-end talent. In um, you know, maybe they'll sort of make a, a trade down the line, but you know, Rick Carlisle is obviously a great hire. Um, and mm-hmm. they just kind of have loads of good pieces. Like he's going to get the most out of what he can from that group offensively. Like they have a lot of, you know, guys who've played good defense and are well coached, um, you know, Levert, Sabonis, obviously Warren, there's just loads of good players. Obviously they've got kind of good complimentary pieces. Like they've kept TJ McConnell, Justin Holiday is good. Um, they kind of just have a, a fair amount to work with. It's just nothing too, too much that pops off the page. Um, I can definitely see them kind of hanging around there even though they've not done anything too splashy. Um, yeah, I, I think just, if yeah. I can interject about Indiana,
0: I think when you look at it, it yeah, Carlisle is an, a fantastic coach. Um, I think generally regarded as a top five, six guy around the league. It's always tough to rank coaches if you're not watching them day in and day out, but I think that's a, a fair estimation. Um, and then you pair that with just a really good rotation. Um, Brogd is an excellent player. Torrey Craig, Justin Holiday uh Sabonis and Turner um, TJ Warren was a huge absence last year um, really developed has developed into a really good uh, kind of isolation scorer, good cutter good one-on-one defender uh, and then you know Jeremy Lamb I think should be back at some point Karis Levert um, I've always been a little lower on Levert um, but TJ McConnell too like you just go down the line like you can build a pretty good rotation with You know, an all-star level talent at the top with Sabonis and a guy in Brogdon who's kind of flirted at times the last couple seasons in Indy with with an all-star appearance. Um, When you give you give Rick Carlisle that, like I think that's absolutely a team that could exceed expectations. Like I know there's I know there's been some rumors about Miles Turner being available or TJ Warren, um, some funkiness going on there. But like I just at face value, I think this is a team that has a lot of good players um, with an all-star at the top with a very good coach, and I think that's that's a good recipe in this tier. I don't think it's all of a sudden going to be a top three team, but like if all of a sudden, like the Pacers are the four seed or the five seed, um, you know, come, come at the end of the regular season. uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And I do want to preface, I think Tom and I probably feel similarly, like as we're getting into the playoff teams, like for me, this isn't necessarily like, Oh, I think like the Boston is going to be the five, the five seed. Like I just, it's for me, it's a little bit, how do I think they would fare in a playoff setting? So I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that kind of how you tried to, Frame as well. Like you may think Team X is second best in the conference, but it's not you predicting them being having the second best record. Is that a fair, fair way to kind of frame these playoff team rankings?
1: Yeah, that's what I went for. Just because, again, like you know, it's hard to obviously that not that you can't do preseason predictions, but yeah, it's hard to know exactly where all these teams are going to end up. And I'm just looking at it more of a yeah, kind of what tier they're in in terms of the quality of them as a contender. You know, ultimately if one team finishes with like two less wins and they get the full seed rather than the third seed, it doesn't really change my opinion on mm. their quality as a contender or, you know, a playoff team. So, yeah, that's kind of what I've gone for as well. Um, and I could see, you know, just again on the paces, like it's obviously not the best thing you want to kind of hang your hat on in terms of being able to overachieve, but just from the standpoint, like mm. we've said, they have so many good players. They're going to be really well coached with Carlisle. If, Other teams, you know, further up the conference, deal with any injuries or anything like that. The Pacers have so much depth. They're kind of well positioned to just kind of be solid and and trudge along. And I could easily see that alone, you know, depending on how things shake out. I could see that at least maybe moving them up a couple of spots in the rankings just purely from the depth they have. And, you know, hopefully some consistency for them. So, yeah, I definitely see them as quite a sort of safe team kind of hang around the, the low end of the playoff picture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just being there gives you some, you know, some uh, mobility, as, as you mentioned. But I am curious about your thoughts on these three other teams because I just think there's so, like, I think there's some kind of polarizing teams in terms of how people view them heading into the year versus how they maybe, can, what they think of their offseason. Like, obviously Chicago made a bunch of moves and, you know, New York made a couple of moves. Boston um, had a fairly quiet off season, but a lot of it is them maybe getting healthy again after tumultuous here. So, you know, I do want to kind of hear your your loose rankings in this tier and then maybe your thoughts about each of these other three that we haven't mentioned. I'm happy to kind of bounce off of you and, you know, offer, you know, uh, an echo or, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, di- divergence.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it was hard for me to kind of settle my numbers for these ones, but I've <laughs> loosely kind of gone for the Bulls at eight um, and then, I'm really torn here, but Knicks and Celtics at six and seven. Um, I think the Bulls. I really, I kind of, I'm interested by what they've done. Uh, like ultimately, they've just kind of added talent with DeRozan, um, Lonzo Ball, like Alex Caruso. Like they've added some really good pieces. Um, like they just have more creation there with DeRozan. Like he is a good player. He's improved his playmaking a lot, which I don't think he always gets much credit for. I think that is going to That can kind of free some things up for Levine to play a bit more off the ball, kind of use him more as an off-movement shooter. Um, Obviously, Caruso helps. uh, You know, he's just kind of really solid complementary piece at both ends. He gives them more point of attack defense. Lonzo Ball can obviously be that kind of connecting playmaker. He can provide a bit of sort of off-ball defense and kind of size and IQ at that end of the floor. Um, But the defense is what worries me with them. Um, Just because, you know, if you are kind of Building your lineup around a trio of Levine, DeRozan, and then Vucevic. Uh, you know, there's a lot to like there offensively, um, but defensively, you're just going to have some issues there when you have, you know, some of your key players are kind of average or negative there. Um, and then, you know, DeRozan, obviously, he's going to have to spend a bit of time off the ball next to all the other pieces they have. Like, how well does he fit there? Obviously, you know, not having much volume or you know, real threat from three. Um, so there are some kind of reasons why I'm hesitant there. Um, it's interesting talent play, um, but I think the defense is the main thing that kind of holds me back from putting them above the eighth seed.
0: Yeah, I I wonder like, and I think obviously the defense is a huge issue. Like, and Levine's gotten better. Like, he's a, not that you're saying otherwise, but like, still, I mean, you're looking at maybe a closing lineup of, uh, you know, Lonzo, Caruso, Levine. Uh, and Vooch and you just, you have a lot of, like you have, like Levine's fine one-on-one for the most part, I think. Caruso is obviously a very good on-ball defender and pretty good off the ball. Lonzo, as you mentioned, good off the ball. But I think you just leave a lot of holes there still. Like I don't, I don't think, you know, Levine is an incredible on-ball defender. I think Caruso is very good. I'm not sure he's who you want battling the lead creator in a closing lineup. Uh, and then offensively, I wonder like, are there diminishing returns if when, when DeMar is functioning on the ball and, and Levine is off the ball um, yeah, because vice so. versa, so like DeMar isn't great off the ball. He said, and it's not just the shooting. It's like, he's not really ever been a great cutter. He's has a tendency mm-hmm. to float. Um, I'm generally pro DeMar. I think as you meant like the playmaking leap is really, really impressive throughout his career, but I just kind of worry in a setting where he's not this, he isn't necessarily worthy of this like incredible on ball usage because Levine was so good last year. I just worry about that there. I worry about Vooch in that, in that sense, like he's a good off ball player, but like you kind of want a two man game between him and Levine and the pick and pops and, and met- and mixing in some post stuff, which I guess you can do. And when, when all three guys aren't out there and starting five, but yeah. And I just, I just like Billy Donovan was obviously an upgrade over Jim Boyle and a significant one, but I just, I don't know if Donovan is the guy to sort through all of these kind of overlaps or question marks. And in the most efficient or effective manner. Um, I wonder about them on the wing like, too, like um, how much size they have. Like you got, I mean, Troy Brown Jr. is a guy that I really am interested in. I think he could have a nice role off the bench, but like you still don't have a ton of size, especially defensively on the wings there. Like any, any big wing against them, I think is really going to have their way. Um, and there's a lot of really, there's a lot of good big wing creators nowadays, whether it's Jason Tatum Jimmy Butler aluka. Luca, um you know the list goes on. Like I just I just don't love kind of their defensive versatility and I think offensively they should be very good, but I just wonder if like if it's one of those things where the talent outweighs the actual impact because of an inability to mesh everything properly and I just don't feel great about Donovan being that guy. Like for instance I had I had Chicago ninth in this in, last in this year, actually behind Indian. Again, it's very fluid for me but and I I could see things working out well for them, but I just have a lot of question marks about them there. Um Anything you want to add about Chicago or should we shift to the uh, the two division rivals against the Sixers in New York
1: and Boston? Yeah, no, I think we can move forward. It's just similar thoughts again with me, you know, regarding the Bulls. Just individually, I kind of like what they have, but it's just the defense and then some of the fit offensively that kind of has me a little bit more concerned.
0: Yeah. And I mean, could, I mean, if Levine does what he did last year, I mean, who knows, like if he's as good as that and Vooch is awesome again, then like maybe some things are a little easier and it's just a matter of we overthink it and the talent overrides things. But, um, for me, I went New York, or I'm sorry, I'm going to so Boston. So Boston was the top of this tier. New York is such a tough team for me because I like some of their off moves. Like I think Kemba was a good get. Fournier was a good get. Um, but, you know, Kembo's health obviously is a big question mark at this point. Like, I think he's still a very solid guy with his pull-up shooting and, you know, his ability to get in the lane at times and and all that uh, in his, his off-ball game offensively. Um, but then, like, you know, I think there's going to there's gonna be times where he's overextended as a creator. Like, I think, you know, I don't know if R.G. Baird is RG ready to be that guy. Um, I don't know if Mando quickly is ready to be that guy. And then Fournier is similar that you can run some stuff on the ball, but he's also really good off the ball. And then I just like Randall is obviously a better player. His process was better. His vision was better. His defense was better, but he had such a tough shot making diet last year. And you saw the, the kind of the pitfalls of that in the playoffs. And I just don't know how much of that got alleviated by what they did this off season. Like, I think, I think they will be better offensively, but I still do worry about Tibbs in terms of his lack of creativity offensively throughout his career um, as a, you know, as a schemer. And so I just like, this is a disparage. I think they did a lot of good things this, this off but I just don't know if the biggest question mark got answered, even though they got more offensive talent and juice. I don't know if it all be maximized in the proper way it should. Like, I think there's some fun stuff you can do. Like, I mean, Kemba's a very good screener. I think you'll see some fun inverted pick and rolls with the with as the ball handler, maybe even R.J. Barrett at times, if he's willing, if he's ready to take a step forward uh, in that regard. But um, the Mitchell Robinson you know, uh, absence, I think, was kind of overlooked last year. Um, in the playoffs, he was really, really good in the regular season, improved his position and discipline defensively. Um, so I like New York generally speaking. I'm just kind of framing it against why I'm maybe a little higher on Boston, but um, I, I like what they did for the most part. I would have loved to see like where they all spent. Did Dinwiddie? was there an, a mutual interest there? I think he would have fit a little better than Kemba or Fournier. But um, I think those gu- those guards coming in will help, and uh, and Mr. Robinson's return um, will help a lot as well. Like I think he's a guy. Um, I don't think he's going to win most improved, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's someone people are mentioning halfway through the year as a guy who's gotten a lot better. And, and is, like I mean, these are the two best guards he's played with uh, in his career, Evan Fournier and and, uh, and Kemba Walker. I mean, he played for so long with Alfred Payton, and that's just not conducive to, uh, you know, effective, you know, role man uh, Mitch in Mitch Robinson there. So that's how I feel about New York. How do, you, how do you feel, and how do you kind of, you know, parse between Boston and, and New York in this tier? Yeah,
1: I think... I think offensively the Knicks are going to be better. Like that was their main, obviously, problem last year. Uh, the defense was very good, but offensively, I think they kind of have some good new dynamics now. Like Fournier, he's a solid addition. Like he gives them some more, a little bit of attacking off the bounce, and he gives them kind of some shooting off movement, which is which is useful. And then I think Kemba, the big thing is just having a guard who's actually, you know, a real sort of pull-up threat from three in the pick mm-hmm. and roll. And they obviously had a bit of that with Emmanuel quickly, but not not too much. Um and obviously Alfred Payton at, at point guard like just does not give them anything in that area in terms of kind of being a threat and adding that kind of gravity from distance. Um so I do think Kemba is gonna help. It's just unfortunate for him that, you know, health is is such a big question mark. Um you know, because I do I do think Kemba, you know, either being kind of at his best or below it and injured is 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 obviously the kind of the swing piece for them. Um so I think that could really have the main outcome in terms of kind of determining where they end up but yeah like you mentioned as well Mitchell Robinson like I think he'll be he'll be really good with Kemba just kind of having that lob threat rim rolling partner there Um, and I think you know they do at least take some pressure off Randall like it was easy for the kind of Hawks to just kind of load up on him in the playoffs and throw so much at him like his passing has obviously come a long way and his scoring has too but there's only so much he can kind of do in that lead role so I do think he'll have some some pressure taken off him but yeah, I'm not quite sure it's it's enough to be ahead of uh the Celtics. I could see them I could see the Knicks shifting ahead, but I think the Celtics probably I'd slightly favor. Um yeah, the, they kind of yeah.
0: The thing for me is that like the Knicks offense really struggled in the playoffs because they were so reliant on tough shot making and I still think that's largely the case. They just have yeah. more tough shot makers. Like Kemba just isn't as bursty and downhill anymore and his size has always been a limiter so it's a lot of tough jumpers which he's good at I mean he's been good at them for his whole career um Fournier is kind of the same in that he likes to kind of probe and get guys on his hip and hit tough leaners and things like that when he's on the ball I think that's a tough thing to bank on as well like RJ got a lot better in year two I remain a very big proponent of him like the growth was very impressive um but he's still not a guy that is producing a lot of easy shots on the ball um and so I just worry about that there but continue about the Celtics I think we probably feel similarly about them I didn't Before I kind of did this, I didn't expect myself to be quite as high on them. Maybe it's not being that high because I don't have them in in tier two, as maybe some of their biggest proponents would have, but um, continue about them. I think probably feel fairly similarly uh, about kind of how they look.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, starting off with like one of their sort of free agent additions, I think, you know, like we were just talking about a lack of rim protection with, sorry, a lack of rim pressure with the Knicks. Like I think the Celtics addressed that a bit, getting Dennis Schroeder, I think is a really nice (laughs) move for them. Um, not a huge thing, piece, but I think you know he kind of gives them more more driving. He can he can kind of attack the rim, which is something they kind of needed more of really uh, last year. He was he was better um, defensively uh, with the Lakers as well. Like he was really solid at the point of the attack, so I think that's useful, um, kind of giving them another piece there along with Marcus Smart and their other guys they have on the wing. Um, you know they'll they'll miss Kemba's kind of pull up shooting a bit, but I think overall they've kind of got a lot to work with, and I think Jason Tatum is easily the best player from either of these teams. I think he alone, you know, if he's kind of one of the top 15, maybe, I don't know, 12, 11, wherever players in the league, I think if you factor in him continuing to improve, I think that alone kind of just gives him a bit more upside and a bit more kind of offensive juice that the the Knicks don't necessarily have. Um, I don't love him bringing back Enos Kanter, but Al Horford is, you know, interesting like he gives them some playmaking obviously he's very familiar with their team um he was better in OKC last year um obviously that wasn't hard for him to improve from the the Philly situation but still um so he could be helpful and then I'm not sure how much Josh Richardson gives them um you know he's had <laughs> two disappointing years now and yeah he's I mean he's got a lot of issues just with his kind of indecisiveness offensively and the, the sort of hesitancy to shoot from three um if he helps them defensively, then, you know, that's good. If he gives them any off- anything offensively, that's useful. But otherwise, I think, you know, at, has, at a salary of around, what was it, about 11 or 12 million a year, I think he's at least a potential kind of trade chip for them in terms of someone who can kind of help match salaries and kind of be that medium-sized salary uh, to fill out a trade package. So I could see them doing something kind of down the line. Um, but yeah, I just think adding Schroeder and kind of the top-end talent with Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, I think gives them a little bit more, uh, just yeah, just a little bit more than the Knicks, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so I I feel very conflicted about the Celtics because I really don't like their center rotation. Um, I thought Al was better offensively last year, but I thought his movement was even worse defensively. Now you could say that he was an, it was an OK seal, like, He wasn't playing for a team that was highly prioritizing winning, so maybe he looks better in a different environment. But I really do think he's declined there. Um, so, I don't love relying on him as your primary backup five or your primary five. And then you go to Robert Williams, who was a very talented player, um, is really impressively mobile for his size, quick on his feet, um, accumulates blocks and steals for a big man like a few others, um, incredible lob threat. Um, but he's a guy who just has never proven to stay healthy yet. Like he, has, he has a pretty high center of gravity, so he's constantly kind of falling to the ground and making, you know, because he loves to jump and make things happen. And so he you know, tends to pick up ticky tacky injuries. And I, I don't hate Ennis Cantor as, a, uh, as, a, as a, a case of emergency center, but I worry that like there will be more in case of emergencies in certain matchups or a Robert Williams injured than ideal. So I really don't like the center rotation for them. I think it's just unreliable. I don't think it's bad necessarily, but it's just unreliable. It worries me. I think it'll be kind of a, a huge part of any sort of defensive struggles they have um, there, but... Al will help offensively. Having a floor spacing big is huge for them, um, because conversely, I do really love their perimeter depth. Um, you know, as as much as Josh Richardson has struggled the last couple of years, I think one year, you know, in Philly they just had no perimeter creation, and he really was thrust into a bigger role than he he needed to have. Obviously, you know that firsthand, Tom. Um, and then last year, you know, in his defense, he did struggle, but I think he pretty sure he contracted COVID early in the year, and plenty of players have talked about that affecting them. So. Um, I think on a team that has better perimeter creation with Jason Tatum being a very good you know, wing ball handler at this point, you mentioned Schroeder, um, even Smart can run things. Jalen Brown took a step forward last year as a creator, um, an offensive player. I think there's a little more infrastructure than what he had the last time he was fully healthy. So hopefully for his sake, he's he's back to have, you know, feels as good as he has physically. And so maybe he's a little closer to who we saw in Miami. I don't feel great about banking on that, but I think it's at least possible um, so in that sense, there people know how much I love Tatum. Um, Tatum was awesome last year, post All Star break. I'm going to pull up his numbers here, um, and he's someone who was very vocal about how much you know contracting COVID affected him in his breathing. Um, I think he's a guy who like could legitimately insert himself into that fringe MVP conversation in the sense that like you know you talk about MVP guys, and then maybe the outskirts of it, Tatum gets mentioned. Um, I do think he's that good. Last year, post All Star break, he averaged 28.84 on 60% true shooting, 40% from three. Um, I thought he's, a, I think he's taken a leap as a passer. I think he's improved kind of his driving approach and finish, figuring out how to finish, even though it's still something he has to improve. Um, just a really big fan of him. I think he is like, definitely the, like if you're listing kind of figuring out who has the best player uh, among these four teams to absolutely the Celtics and Tatum. Um, and, you know, Jalen, I'm a little lower on because of the defensive struggles, but he's a very good complimentary scorer, working as a cutter Attacking closeouts, spot ups, getting downhill off handoffs, improves a passer. Um, you know, Smart was a bit down last year, but he's a very good player as well. So I really do like kind of the perimeter talent they have. I don't, I don't know, I don't feel great about kind of the wing depth, like talking true wing depth. Like, I mean, I'm curious to see what Neesmith is like. I was impressed by Neesmith's you know, kind of offensive versatility, honestly, in in summer league. You know, some pull ups and some passes, but um, just kind of curious to see where they land there, but obviously Peyton Pritchard's a nice kind of depth piece at guard. Um, you know, maybe length, maybe Romy length figures it out and has a little more offensive juice. Uh, obviously is pretty good on ball defender when he's played. Um, so I, I, I just like a lot of what they have on the perimeter, but I do worry about that big man rotation, how that factors into the defense. But ultimately like when you have a, a trio of Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown and Marcus smart with other good players and Schroeder, uh, and, and, and Al is still a fine player. Um, I didn't love, I was pretty critical of the the Kemba Al swap, I know it was a little more than that but he's still a good player so I think there's just a lot here and it's amplified by a guy like Tatum who I expect to be really really awesome just as he was post All-Star break when he kind of figured some things out health wise and approach wise so um, that's that's kind of how I feel, I think we hit everything on the nail there, anything else you want to add about this tier or the Celtics specifically?
1: Uh, No, I don't think so I think uh, we've covered it all
0: Cool. Um, so let's shift to tier two, which I think we're probably going to feel similarly about again, <laughs> uh, which is kind of how I think, you know, I would, again, I, I think we're being pretty loose with how we rank these tiers and kind of even tier them to an extent, as I mentioned in tier three. Um, but for me, uh, from bottom to top, and, I, and again, I I don't, I don't even know how you rank the Sixers, to be honest. Like their second slash second, like 2B player uh, is in flux. Um, but I went Philly at five, Atlanta at four, and Miami at three. Um, how did you rank this? If you had to at all, and maybe kind of feel free to you know transition that into specifically talking about each of these three teams. Assuming you have the same three, I do.
1: Have th- I do have the same three. Yeah, uh, the Sixers. I didn't really know what to do with them, <laughs> um, just because yeah. you know are they going to have Ben Simmons? Are they going to have? I mean, I don't even know who. Um, they, they, <laughs> right, exactly. like, I, like I said they they could go for like a pick heavy package and then you know they, they don't kind of get the style that they want for, for months potentially um, so I really didn't know what to do with them um, so yeah I had the Hawks um, first uh, working mm-hmm. from bottom to top and then the Heat um, the Hawks uh, are really good like obviously they had a really good playoff run they kind of took off late in the season and then Again, uh, with Nate McMillan kind of stepping in as the head coach. Um, They just have so many pieces that kind of fit really well together. Like Trey Young is obviously awesome. Um, They've got loads of kind of young talent that can kind of continue to develop around him. Um, And then I just think they can kind of get some more kind of build off what they had. Like obviously DeAndre Hunter missed some time. Um, Cam Reddish missed kind of time late uh, late in the regular season and then kind of early on in the playoffs. I think he can kind of he has some upside to kind of help them as a kind of, uh, win with some kind of size, but defensive skill and kind of a bit of sort of a little bit of complementary creation and kind of slashing to the rim. Um, so if you kind of give them two extra wings there with Hunter and Reddish, that could be quite useful for them. Um, cause you know, when they had Clint Capella on the, on the floor, their defense was pretty good. I think if you can kind of adding a bit more wing size, more reliably, if they're kind of a bit healthier next season, then that's really useful. Um, Gorky Deng is, you know, obviously isn't going to do too much for them, but kind of has at least another backup center that gives them a little bit of rim protection off the bench um, and a little bit of stretch so that could maybe help the defense somewhat when Capella is off the floor. Um, So, yeah, I could just see them kind of continuing to grow like they're a young team. They have a lot of pieces that fit well. And Yoko Okonwu is someone I'm high on as well. Just the kind of defensive ability he has, a bit of rim protection, um, really agile. Um, I, I could just see that it's kind of with uh, you know the offense they have, potentially a bit of defensive improvement, and just kind of generally young guys improving and being well coached, I just think they have they have a lot to work with. So I could see them, even if um, you know I wouldn't expect them to necessarily make the conference finals. Um, I can see them kind of improving next year.
0: Yeah, I think so. For me, I had Miami higher, um, but I'm splitting yeah, hairs, but but I but I noted that I think if any team in this tier was going to like make that jump based off the personnel they have now into a higher tier, I would put the Hawks there. Um, you know, they've got the young guys, you know, her was a lot better last year. Hunter, when he played was really, really awesome. Um, like Andrew Kelly, who, who covers the Hawks and, you know, watch the watches the Hawks. I think at some point said he might've been their second most like impactful player it stretches. stretches. Um, I do Maybe, maybe they're behind Capella and, and Trey, but point being like, they didn't have that guy after the first round of the playoffs. They didn't have most of the regular season, uh, or at least a part of the regular season. So, um, I think that's a, that's a huge thing. You know, Reddish is a guy who was better at the end of his rookie year. Um, struggled to start his second year, but you know had some really really impressive two way flashes in that in that series against the Buff, which were really fun. So if he can find any sort of consistency, that would be huge for them. But yeah, he kind of hit the nail on the head with the Hawks. Um, the thing for me is like. They just have an outrageous amount of talent. I mean, like, yeah. it's it's like you know people talk about the Grizzlies having all these good players. That, I mean, the Hawks are like the Grizzlies. You know, turned up, you know, turned up the decibel. They yeah. turned up the dial. Um, like there's even so many guys. Kevin
1: Herter, who I really like as well. Yeah, like, there's just so many guys yeah. you kind of forget them all. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, Sixers fans know full. Sixers fans, Sixers writers, media know full well about Kevin Herter oh, at this point. Um, oh, yeah. But what I what, what I like is that they also like they have continuity in their style, right? Like, you know, mm. Bogdan and Herder have some similarities like Capella and Okongwu when Okongwu comes back from his injury, you know, have some crossover there. Um, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, Trey, you can't really replicate, um, but like they have some ball handling behind him now with, I believe Lou will resigned, signed. If I recall, um, yeah, did. They have DeLong right too, which I think is a nice little pickup. Um, just someone with some length who can handle the ball a little bit. Um, and so, I just like what they have built there. And I think, like, as you, men- as you mentioned, like, if, if Trey takes a step forward maybe or or Hunter or Kongwu, like, or Reddish too, like, you know, Herter, there's a lot of ways they can kind of get even better than they were last year, which is a very good team. Um, and so I like that a lot. But Miami I'm pretty dang high on. I just think they have a really, really good um, kind of like starting five, closing five, you want to call it, plus, you know, arguably the best coach in the NBA. Uh, and it's led by an all NBA talent in Jimmy Butler and a borderline all NBA talent in Bam out of bio. Lowry's huge for them. I wrote a piece over at The Analyst last month about kind of all the ways he's going to open things up for them offensively. They really needed someone who kind of shoot and handle the ball um, last year, especially with Goran Dragic's re- regression, as we mentioned earlier. And so I, I really like that. And I mean, you look at a closing five of, of Lowry, Duncan, Jimmy, Tucker, and, and Bam. Um, I know Tucker, like, I think some of what he did with the with the Bucks is overstated. He clearly had some important contributions on that title run, but um, he's just a good player. He's just a fine, solid player, um, and really kind of helps them maintain that defensive identity that they had last year. Um, while Lowry gives them both offense and defense, um, and so I just really like that a lot. And you know, Spolstra is a fantastic offensive coach, so I'm huge on Miami. Like I'm not saying they're going to be like a title contender, but I loved some of the moves they made and. When you have a guy like Jimmy leading the way and a guy like Bam, who's gotten massively better tears in a row, um, you know, with with, with Spo, with Spo patrolling the sidelines, I really like what they have. Um, even a guy like Victor Oladipo, you know, health is a huge question mark with him, but he was legitimately a very good perimeter defender last year, and he's not going to be asked to create much on this team. I think even Tyler Hero is going to have a really solid year, I think, last year whether it was the shortened off season, whether it was the lack of perimeter creation, whether it was the instability with Jimmy missing so much time and Bam missing time. I think he struggled. I think he's had a bounce back a year. So how do you feel about Miami? Is there anything you want to add that maybe I missed um, about them? Kind of what, what makes you intrigued by this Heat squad moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think I feel similarly. I mean, just after the top couple of teams in the conference, like I just feel very comfortable putting the Heat there um i mean if the Sixers do get some star guard then i could i could see them going in at three um and that's probably where i'd put them but for now you know i really like the heat in that spot you know similar things like you mentioned obviously lowry is is an awesome addition for them um like a top three of lowry butler and bam is is just really really interesting um like their defensive versatility is awesome as well like having you know PJ Tucker on board as well, obviously Lowry, Butler, Bam, like they can get really switchy. Um Lowry can kind of hold his own in like post up situations against bigger guys too. So even with him at point, like you can you can switch a lot and you can be very, really agile obviously with Bam at center. Um so they have loads they can do there. Um yeah like you mentioned I think Tyler Hero could see a bit of improvement if he has a bit less pressure. Obviously them keeping Duncan Robinson is great. Um having his shooting around still and the fact that he can now, you know, work off Lowry as well, just giving him another really sort of high-end playmaker to, to play off is really useful. Um, yeah, just like with Tucker having a bit more line versatility there as well. Um, yeah, there's just a lot they can do. I think you kind of covered it all. But yeah, I'm, I'm very comfortable having them in as that sort of below the the Bucks and Nets kind of tier. Um, and, yeah, and even I like what they can do at both ends. And even
0: Dwayne Dedman, like he's not very good defensively these days, but like he offers them kind of that threat as a roller, just as Bam does. Obviously, Bam offers way more, you know, on both ends. But like at least that sort of continuity, like, I think that's a that's a, a concept I'm trying to price more into things, like just having continuity on one, well, at least one side of the ball. I think Bam, you know Deadman offers that as a roller, so um, I, I like that a lot too. Um, and as you mentioned, like a, a trio defensively of or, or quartet, excuse me, of. Of Lowry, Butler, Tucker, and Bam to close games, you can switch a lot of things. Obviously, you don't want to over-switch. We've seen the perils of that in recent years, but I think you can be really aggressive with things and, and kind of feel comfortable with with it working out. Um, and so, I like a lot. I, li- I just like a lot of what they have. Um, I guess you know it's tough to really talk in depth about the Sixers, but I would ask you this, Tom: If if the Sixers run back what they have, which seems like kind of a useless hypothetical, but you know, would you pick them to be? You know, could they beat either of these teams in a seven-game series? In your eyes, like, would it be close? How do you kind of view them? Um, because I don't think they're going to get you know a one-for-one value for Ben Simmons, but like maybe they can at least approximate it. So, like in that sense, like if if they, if they ran back kind of similar level of talent and fit and all that it doesn't have to be Ben, but just you know, would you? How would you feel about the Sixers' chances against these two two teams? Because it's really, it's so tough to project what they're going to look like.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm not trying to cop out, but I'm not sure. I mean, I could see. It's I could, I want to say I could see them beating the Hawks, even though they just lost to them in horrible fashion, clearly but, but they were
0: close. They, I mean, like I mean. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, you can see they can say that they were missing Hunter, which is true. Obviously, the Sixers were missing Dana Green for half the series, but. Yeah, I, I don't know I if could, I, 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 didn't even, I didn't even consider the... asking you this when I. Yeah. No, that, no,
1: that's fine. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head, but I could see the Sixers theoretically beating the Hawks in a series again. Like you <laughs> said, they were close. There were some factors I think that kind of, you know, ne- wouldn't necessarily repeat themselves. Like Embiid was kind of uncharacteristically off uh, here and there. Tobias was, you know, his finishing kind of just went away from him kind of in Game yeah. Seven and kind of to close that series, um, yeah. just missing a surprising amount of shots in the paint that he'd been really effective at all year. Like, I think he was you know over 70% uh the rim like kids his his finishing kind of strong guys to the rim had been a, a positive all year um through the playoffs as well and then it kind of just went away at the end if you kind of take away a few of his clangers in the paint that that alone could have maybe kind of got them over the hump there at the end um if you take ben out of the picture and kind of you know replace yeah. him with some sort of hypothetically better yeah. players um i could see the offense just fitting much better um if you have a couple of role players in his place instead, you know, maybe you have a little bit more um, slightly more depth, perhaps then I could see, you know, maybe taking Seth Curry off here and there, if he is just getting burned by Kevin Herter Um, again and again, like I could see them winning that series. And again, like Embiid is the best player still in that series by a mile, um, very comfortably. And when when you have that, it's hard to stop. Like they don't, they still don't have anyone who can match up with Embiid really um, and contain him one-on-one. Um, Capella can do you know about as well as well as you want for them in that matchup, but yeah, I could see the Sixers winning that against the Heat. I, th- I think I'd be a little bit less sure just because of how mm-hmm. good the Heat's top three are. Um, Bam is such a great defensive center. Like Embiid can still kind of get his against anyone pretty much. Um, but yeah, I I just feel like the Heat they have the lineup of versatility. I feel like they're pieces fit at both ends of the floor. Um, they had plenty of creation with Lowry and Butler. Um, if Tyler Hero improves a little bit and that's another piece, obviously you've got shooting. Um, I just think they can kind of have flexibility at both ends of the floor with high-end talent. Obviously we've seen how great Butler can be in like a long playoff run, you know, when they made the finals a couple of years ago, like I just feel a little bit more confident in the heat uh, after seeing what we've seen the Sixers do in the playoffs and, um, even if you take Ben Simmons out of the picture, like, there have been some issues. Um, even if some of those would fix themselves. So, yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah, i not as sure on the Sixers being able to beat the Heat. Where would you sort of land on that?
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I think I feel similar. I would feel even more pessimistic about them being in the Heat. Um, because what, like, another thing we didn't really mention is like Spolster is such a vastly better playoff coach than, than Doc. Um, yeah, that's not a good know, point. I, I think, yeah. you I mean, the point you could make about the depth, like if you have better reserves at Doc's disposal, that helps because, you know, Doc is always going to overextend his bench. Um, so, that I mean, that's like, a, so that's like a weird thing to have to, like, <laughs> yeah, but if, you, if he plays the starters less than he should and he plays these bench guys, but it does matter. I mean, they played Shake Milton in game seven of the fourth quarter. Um, and all due respect to Shake, he just wasn't worthy of a rotation spot by the end of the year. Um, so I feel really pessimistic about that. Partly because like you know, Joel's improved his ability to read the floor, but the Heat would have really good defensive personnel to make things tough. The the way to beat him has always been like send timely doubles, position yourself perfectly off the ball. And I think the Heat have shown they would have personnel to do that. Um, you know, the the creation I think would be like would be there. I think they'd be able to throw both Tucker or Jimmy on on Tobias and give him some issues there. Crowd his handle, you know, not let him use his strength to his advantage. Um, I mean that'd be a huge thing. I, I would wonder who exactly. Like you would put like where? Where would Danny and Seth defend? You would put one of them on PJ, but like then the other one has to go on Duncan, and that's a huge thing. So I mm-hmm. would worry a lot about that. Um, Atlanta, I could see it being closer, but again, I think a lot of Atlanta, you're banking on internal development for some of their young guys, which is a reasonable thing to expect and probably a likely thing. But projecting it specifically makes it tougher. So. Um, again, I'm, I'm very high in Atlanta, as I said. like I think if any of these teams are going to jump into a higher tier based on just kind of who they have currently, it would be Atlanta. But I don't exactly know how to project that. Um, so I'd feel a little more conf- confident in that happening. Um, and because seven-game series are so fickle and prone to variance, it's tough to like, say definitively the Hawks are like clearly better than the, the Sixers. I would put them ahead, but I would say they are better. But it's just tough to say it. like they'd obviously beat the Sixers every time in a playoff series. But again, it's important to note that MD Underhunter, who was a key player for them. So um, is there anything you want to discuss about the Sixers' projection this year? Like, it's so tough. I feel like everything I've talked about has been player reviews or Ben Simmons' trades. And I'd love to get into kind of the nitty-gritty of this roster, but some of it is kind of in flux with, with Ben Simmons uh, and kind of how that unfolds. But anything you want to know about this team and how you feel about them um, approaching you know, the 2021-22 season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I mean, all the sort of Sixers discourse has just revolved around Ben Simmons trades um, for a while now. Uh, so I'm looking forward to kind of moving on from that whenever we can. Um, but I mean, I think the team as it is, you know, as disappointing as it is for you know fans who want a trade to happen, that you know, synergists are on the team. Like I do think they are a slightly better team than they were last year. Um, they've not upgraded in the same way as other teams, obviously, and the the Ben Simmons issue is obviously what needs to be addressed, but like at least with George Niang, uh, they have a better backup four. I know that's not changing too much, but that's still something. Um, he gives them some kind of higher quality shooting um, at the backup four, which is, you know, a spot where they were, um, you know, they did struggle last year. Um, Andre Drummond, I think, is a bit better than Dwight Howard, so I think they've upgraded somewhat uh, with the backup five spot, but again, you know, that needs to be with Ben Simmons out of the way just because you can't have, you know, Simmons running lineups with another non-shooting centre. Um So I do think they're kind of technically slightly better. Um And I could see some kind of progression from Tyrese Maxey continuing as well. Like, I'm I'm really high on Maxey and what he can do. Like, obviously, it's only summer league, but, you know, through the late in the regular season where he was getting more confident with his three ball. Um he, was, he shot a load of pull-up threes in uh, a couple of summer league games. So that's promising. I could see him building on that um, next year. I think in a larger role, I'm, I'm high on him kind of continuing to develop and giving them some more of this kind of creation, driving and and kind of scoring buzz that they need from a guard. Um, so there are some ways I could see them getting better. But yeah, it's just so hard to project everything when, you know, it all comes down to a Simmons trade and, and how that impacts them in terms of who they get back, whether they're going for picks to make, a, you know, try and pursue a star trade down the line. And then at that point, if they do make a kind of mid-season acquisition, you know, for a star player, like they then have to adjust on the fly and kind of get ready for the playoffs mid-season, which is obviously tougher than having training camp in an off-season to prepare. So I think whatever happens, it's going to be tough for them to kind of settle things out. And yeah, it's, it's just hard to know what to expect from them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's so tough because, yeah, like, I think they improved on the, on the bench. You know, Max will be better. Um, George Nang is an upgrade. It gives them more size at the bench. As I talked about, Dwight, you know, Drummond's just a better player than Dwight. The improvement could be marginal because they're not going to play a ton when it matters in the playoffs, but, um, you know, still he's a better player there. Um, but it's so tough to know how everything affects Joel and, you know, and Seth and Danny and Tobias, and those are the four guys that matter the most. You can expect to be on the roster come, you know, mid-October. So um, I'd love to be able to talk more about this team, um, but uh, obviously I know it's going to take some time for everything to get sorted out. Uh, and, and my my podcast takes far less press than anything else, but, um, but for, for my sake, it would be great if people talk about some lineups and some fun things there. But um, I think we talked about as much as we can in depth on this uh, tier. Um, let's go to the next one, which is where I think we might divulge a little bit, because for me, I want one in 1B, Um I had Milwaukee in 1B. I know it's going to come off as being a hater after my skepticism last year. And any Bucks fans are listening, I, I get it. You can you can call me that. That's fine. It's far more testament to, I believe, in Brooklyn. But it could be some anchoring bias. Um, they will get Dante Vincenzo back. They're a very good team. Um, you know, I, I like them getting Grayson Allen. I think that's a nice... You know, Grayson Allen has quietly been a pretty solid kind of... Just a solid guy who can shoot with a little bit of size on the wing. Um, and whatnot, but um, maybe George Hill kind of goes goes back to who we thought George Hill was. Um, obviously it was a weird circumstance for him with you know recovering from the thumb injury and trying to you know, kind of figure things out on a playoff team on the fly. Um, I think I think they'll 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 feel the, the loss of Tucker at times with some defensive versatility on the ball and some maybe some rebounding, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the glass. But I largely think this team is probably a little bit better than the one that won the title. Um, and so they're a very good team. They're probably I would say they're probably the they're a top three team in the NBA. I'm just a big fan of Brooklyn. But what how do you feel about Milwaukee and kinda of what's your sense of this team as it looks to defend its title and, and maybe what do you think specifically Dante DiVincenzo could bring them because he's a very good player and he's listed a good player, he's a starting caliber player and he was out for, you know, the final three rounds of, of this year's playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think he'll be he'll be really useful for them. Like they're missing him just I mean he's a really good defender like they're missing that option um you know is is uh, it hurt them so i think him coming back is really useful um it you know losing pj Tucker hurts a bit but um they at least kept bobby Portis, which is which is useful for them to kind of have another another option at the 5 who can um stretch the floor a little bit as well um and he was pretty good for them in some playoff games um so yeah overall i think i agree like the Bucks should be a bit better next year. Um, George Hill, I'm, I'm interested to see as well, if he can bounce back. Like, he, he, you know, he did kind of struggle for the for the Sixers in the playoffs, just didn't give them as much as what they needed kind of off the dribble and kind of didn't add too much as a driver or, or a playmaker overall um, to kind of help their offense. But if he can kind of, you know, get back to where he was kind of before his injury and, you know, benefit from a kind of a full off season... In good health, then, then he could be useful for them. Um, but I do have the Bucks kind of as my two, and the Nets as a one. Um, I think I probably think there's a slightly larger gap between the Nets and the Bucks than you do. Um, so yeah, we can maybe maybe get into Brooklyn and kind of see where we land there. But yeah, agree. Obviously, the Bucks are still a super good team. Um, it's ridiculous that a, a title-winning team that maybe improved a bit could not be the number one. Um, but I just think <laughs> some of the Nets additions and them at least potentially being fully healthy um, is still kind of too much for me to consider putting anyone else number one.
0: Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess I like I probably actually feel similar. Like I'm I'm very much opponent of the Nets. Um, I guess maybe I just assume that your last year was five rather than six. I was I was being I wouldn't say nice, but I, I didn't want to overly slight the reigning champs who did so in six games. Uh, concluding with a masterclass from Giannis, who um, is one of the handful of players who has a case as you know the best in the NBA, um, and so like, I think I think Giannis definitely figured some things out offensively in the playoffs, which matters a ton. Um, you know, I I do one you know I I wonder how much you know that, that maintains moving forward. I'm not saying I'm skeptical, but um, so much of the playoffs are about matchups. So I wonder you know if he does get a little less favorable matchup, if that matters. That's not me saying I'm skeptical of it. It's just I'm going to be monitoring. But he absolutely did a pr- improve his approach. In certain ways, I think they're also more willing to use him off the ball. Um, this past year, which helped a lot too, because when you're as mobile and long, and probably the most dominant finisher in the NBA, you could say Zion if you want, but it's between those two. Um, you have some pretty big off-ball utility, so it's good to see them kind of tap into that. But yeah, Brooklyn, I just think like like yeah, health is probably a bigger caveat with them than a standard team at the top. Um, but they were they were a Kevin Durant shoe away from beating the Bucks. Uh, despite James Harden playing at less than full strength for two and a half games or whatever, three games, despite Kyrie only playing for three games. Um, I think they, I think they've done so well to build around their superstars. Um, like it's just a really complete roster. Um, and the additions they got this offseason between, you know, uh, Paul Millsap uh, today, Patty Mills, Javon Carter, Deandre Bemery. I think those are all guys that make sense for them. Um, and you can kind of see how they fit around their stars. Um, and so I really like that, but you just look at the roster. I'm trying to pull it up here quickly. Um, it's just a really good roster. I mean, you have three top 20 guys, two top 10 borderline top five. And then you have, um, you have Patty Mills, you have James Johnson, you have Joe Harris, you have, uh, you know, you have Nicholas Claxton, you Bruce Brown. Like you just have a lot of guys who can fit, fill in the gaps outside of what your stars do, which is be, Incredible offensive players, and in Kevin Durant's case, in that second round, an incredible defensive player as well. Um, so I'm just a really big fan of them. They're kind of—I wouldn't say clearly my my favorite to win the title. I think the Lakers are quite good as well, but um, a team that I, I I would pick kind of definitively without being like overly confident and trying to toe the line there with my phrasing. But that's how I feel about things. How do you feel about the Nets? What do you like about what would they do this off? Kind of heading into the the regular season here.
1: Yeah, I think Thanks. you know. T- Obviously building on what you mentioned, like just how they're built around their stars. Like we know the offence is incredible with, you know, Kyrie and Harden and Durant. Um, but just the kind of pieces they've added around them, like they have so many I mean, they already had good complementary guys like Joe Harris and Bruce Brown. Uh Nicholas Claxton is really good, like his 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 defense is just so useful for them, like he's so agile. Um having a kind of switchy center uh like that who maintains some size and interior defence is is just so useful. Um, and then just, yeah, like, other complementary pieces they've added now, like, you know, Jevon Carter giving them another, you know, high-energy guy and defender, that's useful. Um, Patsy Mills is a really nice skit. Like, he's just a really energetic um, guard to have on the team as well. And the fact that he kind of gives them more off-movement shooting and he can kind of just kind of run around and find space. Um, having that just going around, you know, next to their sort of big three is just is just such a luxury. As well as Joe Harris, obviously moving off the ball, Um, and then I just think kind of the lineup versatility they have, like with their different bigs. Like obviously I mentioned Nicholas Claxton, you know when they want to be more, more switchy and a bit more defensive. Obviously you know Blake Griffin kind of giving them more more spacing and kind of some playmaking, Um, and you know they've just had a Paul Millsap as well. Um, He kind of gives them another slightly smaller defensive option Um, who can space the floor a little bit as well. Like they can do so much. you know they can kind of always surround their big 3 with good complementary players who are helping either at one or both ends of the floor and then the fact that they kind of have the lineup versatility to adjust their approach um against different lineups and opponents is just so valuable i think when you factor in that level of versatility at both ends and the top end talent and the depth i think it's just yeah they're just going to be such a good team so as long as health is on their side um i'm i'm very sort of confident in picking them as my my total favorite for next me. season yeah, I mean, you
0: mentioned Blake Griffin. I totally you know omitted him when I was mentioning kind of some of their depth around their superstars. Um, but I, and I like I like the versatility. But I also like again bringing up this idea of continuity. Like Millsap and Griffin are different players, but broadly speaking, they can do some similar things: pick and pops, punish some mismatches in the post, plus passers in the front court. Um, DeAndre Bembry and Bruce Brown are both very good cutters. I'm curious to see if they run if Bembry gets some rotation minutes if he also does that kind of that that smaller uh role man uh you know, kind of archetype that bruce brown you know uh, embraced he doesn't have bruce brown's flitter game but a little bouncier off the ground i think um I like so i like that part of it too like patty mills um i think is a generally a broader b- broadly speaking a better version of what lander shammett gave them last year again i'm not trying to just reduce that you know to what they you know to the be the same players but I think the, the team last year was very, very well built. And while they don't have all the same players, they did well to try and emulate that or even build upon it. You know, if maybe for some reason, Blake isn't the guy in the game where he gets injured. You can still play Millsap. Um, James Johnson is that guy you can play on the role and is a good passer as well. Um, so just just really like what they've built there. Um, you, know, but you know, someone in the, the chat mentioned Cam Thomas. Um, he's a guy who um, I didn't watch his ton of in college. Um, I know he can flat out score the ball. So if he's a guy who cracks the rotation and all that could be some use for them, give them a little more offense to choose off the bench, because obviously they're never going to play a minute without any of other big three. When those guys are healthy, um, Steve Nash really want to kind of stagger that. And what I liked when they were healthy was he would do, you know, uh, KD and Kyrie together and then harden as kind of, you know, the, the two bench type units, but, uh, Cam could be a guy if he cracks the rotation, give them some, some scoring, some scoring, uh, verve or zeal. But, uh, Yeah, just a really, really well-built roster with, obviously, three high-end players. Uh, So, curious to see what the offense looks like next year. I imagine Mike D'Antoni had a significant role in kind of shaping some of what they did. Obviously, things can be pretty clear when you have three guys of, of, you know, Harden, KD, and Kyrie's caliber offensively. But, yeah, I think we've pretty well covered this team in this uh, this conference. Anything you want to add about our tiers, our rankings, the Nets, Nets specifically? Um and I guess maybe the one thing I would ask is what what would it take for you for the Sixers to like have a chance to you know contend with the Nets or the Bucks
1: I think That's simply it. put just if they can get Dame um <laughs> I'm not sure Yeah and I'm just not sure there's something else they can do that would take them to that level for me um you know for all the reasons we've mentioned the Bucks and the Nets are both great teams um the Sixers just need too much offensively in terms of what they're looking for when they do move Ben Simmons, like the kind of creation, the pull-up shooting, um, just the kind of overall offensive punch they need from a new guard. Um, It's just going to be so hard for them to kind of get their offense to the level of these other teams. Um, If they don't get someone like Dame on board, um, Bradley Bill would be great too, but I still think, yeah, unless they can kind of get um, a guy like Dame on board, I just don't see them improving enough to kind of get to that level.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. I think we're pretty much in up. I was hoping maybe you would have the Bucks and Nets in the same tier. Because other than that, we are pretty well uh, well aligned with things. I guess when we you know, we've we both covered the league for a while now and talked talked things for a few years, and you know we're both right for blueberry ballers, so maybe there's a little bit of group thing between us. But um, for everyone listening, I, I hope this was insightful and useful for you. I'm sorry we couldn't have it be more Sixers centric. Um, hopefully soon, for everyone's sake, uh, mostly Ben and the Sixers, of course. Um, we get this resolved, we'll have some more stuff so to talk about, but um, Tom, appreciate you taking you know some time out of your day um, tell people where they can find you where can they read your work, um, give yourself a little shout out
1: LSGA. so you can find me uh, on Twitter at TomWestMBA, um, I share all my uh, all my work there all my writing for Liberty Ballers, any video stuff I do, um, all of that's there, Yeah, all my writing is at LibertyBallers.com um so yeah we've obviously got plenty of off-season coverage going up at the moment um i'm going to be putting out some different player profiles for uh different guys on the team uh in the coming couple of weeks um to kind of get ready before training camp and kind of look ahead to what different guys have to offer next year and um, so you can look out for that and maybe uh some trade coverage if we get something soon, soon. but yeah uh, yeah that's about it
0: yeah absolutely go check out uh the stuff tom tom is doing some awesome video work um he's done some really cool stuff recently and i read your matisse and kind of Joel article recently um recommend that one for everyone but uh yeah uh, appreciate it again tom Uh, for everyone listening i'll be back sometime tomorrow or saturday uh, with another episode gotta figure out exactly what to uh discuss here but uh we'll have something fun for you but in the meantime stay happy stay healthy stay safe talk to all of you again soon